Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today I have a past guest of the Political Pharmacist Podcast, Dr. Erin Albert. She's also works with the American Society of Pharmacy Law with this new program they're launching. So, Dr. Albert, why don't you just kind of go on with that? Sure. Thanks for having me, Eric. I really appreciate it. So the American Society for Pharmacy Law has been around now since the late 70s, early 80s here in the U.S. And it's an organization of attorneys, pharmacists and pharmacist attorneys, along with students who are interested and passionate about the intersection of pharmacy and law. And so our organization has a variety of services and educational opportunities for our members, everything from an annual conference like the one we just had this last fall in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, where we offer continuing pharmacist education as well as continuing legal education. We have scholarships for pharmacy students that have a passion for the law as well and or want to go on to law school. We also partner up with the American Pharmacists Association and offer a pharmacy law track at their annual meeting in the spring. We also have a lot of online learning opportunities. We have roundtables, webinars, et cetera, that focus on various topics in pharmacy and law. And with you being the Political Pharmacist podcast, you know exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about. There's so many things to talk about right now at the intersection of pharmacy and law that we never stop having conversations But on today's episode with you, I'm really excited to share more about a brand new learning opportunity. It's a one-year leadership program that the American Society for Pharmacy Law is actually instigating in 2022, and the application is open for right now. And that is called the Diplomat of the American Society for Pharmacy Law. And I'm coming in as the 2022 president of ASPL. And last year, or this year, in 2021, we did a benchmarking survey of our members to determine what services and educational opportunities were still missing from the society. And one of those things that we found as an area of potential opportunity was that we're doing a really good job in serving students and early career professionals We're doing a good job in serving those that are at the end of their professional career. What we're not doing the best job and what opportunities we still have available are for those of us who are in the middle of our careers. So the diplomat program was really set up and designed to look at the mid-career professional, either in pharmacy and or pharmacy law. And what we define as mid-career is anyone that's been in either of those professions or both for a minimum of five to seven years. Okay, so you guys are really trying to take those people who've got a little bit under their belts, they've got their 10,000 hours in to use a uh, Malcolm Gladwell reference, but really trying to launch them onto like a next step with this program. Is that right? 
Absolutely. And, you know, I've been listening to some of your past episodes, the, the angst around retail pharmacy, community practice pharmacy right now, the fact that the laws out there are ever in constant changing, particularly during a pandemic like we're under right now. There's just so many things to have further conversations around this intersection of pharmacy and law. We just felt like it was time to help the mid-career professionals level up on their leadership skills through this one-year program. And so, if I may, there are big components that we put into this program uh, for those that will be participating. Like, what is that? Can you just elaborate? Yeah, sure. So, it's a one-year program. What we're going to do are each DASPL candidate has three major components that they have to complete to earn the DASPL designation after the year-long program. The first component is education. So in the actual application to participate in the program this year, it's almost like choose your own adventure in that we have a variety of different topics outlined in the actual application. So those who are choosing to participate in it can choose what topics they want to hear more about. If that's 340B, for example, or drug pricing or uh, pharmacists and, and uh, the state legal issues, federal legal issues, federal agencies, etc. They can pick and choose kind of what topics they want to hear about. Then we'll collect all the applications and run with the most popular topics. So that's the first component. The second component is we'll have a mentoring program. And that's something that we've heard consistently from our membership that they want more of. So that's the one-on-one -on -one pairing with a senior member of our association in pharmacy law with someone that's mid-career to have those conversations about either career development or even the third prong of this one-year leadership experience. And that's a project that each DASPL candidate will need to complete and then present at our 2022 annual meeting which will be in Naples, Florida in November of 2022. So you've got education, you've got mentoring, and then you've got a project, a service project to present. Those so, are the three major components. So when you talk about something like this, the first thing that comes to my mind is who actually qualifies for it? Is it, can they be a pharmacist? Can they be a lawyer? Do they have to have both? Like, what does that ideal candidate look like? Yeah, it's a great question. And we don't limit to one or the other. I think it's any pharmacist that's been in the profession for five to seven years minimum. It could be a pharmacist attorney. Maybe they've been a pharmacist for five to seven years, but they're a brand new attorney. They would definitely fit into this as well. Or it could be somebody that teaches maybe pharmacy law in a school of pharmacy or ethics or something that's at that intersection of pharmacy law and has a passion for it, but you don't necessarily need to be, quote unquote, a pharmacist and, quote unquote, a lawyer to participate in this. You just have to have the baseline passion for the topic. And when you're talking about like a time commitment to this, obviously there's going to be work that needs to put in. That's pretty clear when you talk about it. But is this like a full-time thing? Is this kind of like a late night like school thing? Is like what is like a time commitment look like for somebody who's doing a program like this? 
Sure. So it's listed in the application as well. And I'll be sure to share with you the link on our website, ASPL.org, to the application. But basically, we're going to meet online via a Zoom-type webinar format every other month for the first few months of the year through September. So every other month, we'll have a one- or two-hour set of lectures by experts in the fields chosen by the DASPL candidate class as topics to be discussed every other month. So there's not a huge amount of time commitment on that first prong. The second prong is we have the expectation that you would meet with your mentor either on the phone or, you know, ideally it would be in person, but that probably wouldn't happen until the actual annual meeting. But one or two times during the year, either to bounce off project ideas for their third prong of their project or talk about career development. And, and then the last part would be the project, right? So the service project could be anything from a particular area of law that maybe somebody's interested in, wants to do a 50-state survey on, or wants to look at federal legislation, for example, around pharmacists of providers and where that bill is in the House and the Senate, as an example. And then we're going to have the session at the annual meeting where the DASPL candidates can present their information in an educational venue. And then once they've completed all three of those prongs, we'll have a ceremony at the end where they would earn their professional designation of DASPL. That sounds like an awesome way to really kind of merge these two. And like you said before, pharmacy law is, it's almost like stupid how complex it is because you have, every state has their own pharmacy laws, right? Like Ohio's got some that are out there when it comes to like weight loss meds and things like that. But then even at the federal level and even like there's their own niches, like look at all the 340B headlines you're seeing right now. You're seeing obviously in my area, huge opioid lawsuits that could be somewhere in the billions of dollars with the punitive uh, fines and everything that you're, we're seeing come come forth and you you mentioned drug pricing as well that's another crazy topic and bringing in ethics and other things like that with the business side of it all kind of merging into one so this is really something that you can kind of like you said not just choose your own adventure like choose your own path you want to pave the way in in pharmacy yeah absolutely and i I really do think that pharmacy law to your point has become super complex like even looking at uh, for example, what's going on with PBM oversight across the 50 states right now? That's yeah. a huge topic, right? And that's changing each and every day. So there's lots of opportunity. I know one of the areas of passion that I have is looking at medical drugs and how they're priced and setting price benchmarks on those. So there's all kinds of opportunity. And I like that this one-year leadership program exposes you to the leadership at ASPL. It brings along the next potential set of leaders for the organization because one of the modules will be on the history of ASPL and how to get more involved with the organization. So truly, these folks, once they are DASPL graduates, they're truly ambassadors for the society and for pharmacy law moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen so many ways with even just where pharmacists with that they're affected by this, not only these major legal issues that we're talking about with the, uh, the state and the federal, but on the very personal level of like, how many technicians are you allowed to work with and how is that burning you out? Are you allowed to fill prescriptions after hours? Things like that, that, is just causing huge issues with almost every level in our profession. 
Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to others who are trying to get out of retail. I know you just had a guest on that wrote a book about that. (laughs) I got out of retail, you know, way back in the day. I won't say when, but, you know, retail work in the bench was my first job out of school. And I think the pandemic has really accelerated everything, including having or requiring the pharmacist to do more and more and more with less and less and less. And when I say pharmacists, I also mean the pharmacy technicians out there. So getting the moose on the table and having the frank conversations about where our profession of pharmacy is going and then how can we either protect it or find the best routes by which through the law and policy we can improve the profession, not only save the profession, but improve it, the quality of pharmacy. I know, you know, listening to a lot of the angst out there, one of the issues is a lot of leadership is not pharmacists within pharmacy, right? So I think it's really important to train our next generation of pharmacists as leaders so they can go out and help mold and shape pharmacy at a much broader level. Because I personally, and this is my personal opinion only, not ASPLs, not any of my employers, is that I think we've landed in the place that we have right now due to the fact that pharmacists are not at the helms of a lot of pharmacy organizations. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that too, we're even seeing where there's bills in various states that some have passed, some are pending, some are wherever, where they're doing like quote unquote telepharmacy, and there's essentially no pharmacist who's working in the pharmacy. And, you know, that's something that kind of, if you look back at politics and law and things like that, Andrew Yang kind of actually called out saying that pharmacists, your jobs are going to be replaced by robots. And it's something that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But when you start looking at the law of it and the legalities and then merging in ethics of should there be someone there to help make those decisions when it comes to someone's prescriptions, meds, the call on if this is the right medication or not, or is that something that we really feel comfortable letting go to a technician because that's you know where we, our profession is headed. I think a lot of listeners on here might think it's not, and so that's something I'm always interested in. But that's something that, again, when you start talking about pharmacy law, getting something like this credential under your belt so then when you actually go and talk about it, you have a little more of a resume or repertoire or whatever you want to say so that you can then speak on this and say, hey, look, I've put in all the extra time. I've done a project on this. I've done this. I did some research on it. And here's where I ended up with it. And now, granted, there's always individual bias when you look at things like that. This isn't your typical double-blinded placebo-controlled trial. But that's something that you know, you can really present to someone like that. So when you see bills like that coming up, it might be a way to help refute it. Because, look, there is a huge issue. Look how many errors we catch with doctors all the time. Or look how many other issues we see with nurse practitioners or anybody else that were like that last gatekeeper or I like to use the analogy of a hockey goalie, if you will. But that's something that somebody could really dive into with this and then help explain it because so many states, anytime they hear tele in anything right now, they're just basically approving it and going from there. So that's another way that you can really help direct major changes in the profession with a project like this and then afterwards because of how well you dove into it. Yeah, and flipping the argument the other way, you know, maybe you're a pharmacist and you've been thinking about law school. Every day in <laughs> social media channels or via my email, I get, hey, Dr. Albert, I'm a pharmacist. I've been thinking about law school. What should I do? What should I read? What should I think about? You know, before you lay out $150,000 to go be a lawyer, 
<laughs> this type of program, the DASPL, might be really good for you and that you get exposed to the issues that pharmacists attorneys are working on every day. But you also get exposure to your mentor who most likely might be a pharmacist attorney. And they can tell you, you know, based upon their own career experiences, whether or not and it's a much safer way to discern whether or not pharmacy law is right for you because it's not right for everyone. You know, and I think of somebody like myself who, you know, has a family, has a child, is doing other things, you know, with the the profession. That's a good way to kind of dabble in it without having to, you know, jump in, you know, head deep in the water of law school or something like that. Right, because it's a three to four year or longer commitment. I mean, I had a friend that went through law school and it took her seven years because she was working full time and she had a life and things happen. So why not, you know, take the next step in thinking about developing your own leadership skills, get around those pharmacists and pharmacist attorneys who have the passion for the law and safely kind of dip your toe into the water to figure out, hey, law school might be awesome but now that I've talked to, you know, five or six different pharmacist attorneys and been exposed to this opportunity, I know it's not right for me or I know how I can get involved and make a difference without the full time commitment of law school and the debt and all the other things that happen because I still have other things going on in my life. So that's one of the reasons why we design this is to help those who are kind of thinking about law school down the road and maybe they've been a pharmacist and working in their settings five to seven years but now is the time to start thinking well if I really want to go back to law school maybe I should try something like this first and then consider whether or not I really want to make that investment yeah and you know one question I always have to ask when I hear something like this what is the cost of a program like this and how many candidates do you guys take every year yeah so it's a brand new program I have no idea if it's going to work, to be frank with you. I have committed as the president of the society to make sure that I get the speakers and the topics married up based upon the candidates. We're not looking for a ton of candidates this first time because it is a first time program. The cost of it, I think, is super reasonable. I mean, we looked at a lot of different leadership programs across pharmacy and out of pharmacy. Often they're $1,000 or more. I know some of the other pharmacy leadership programs are thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. We're just asking for $500. Plus, you have to be a member of ASPL, but our membership is very low cost. Yeah. So I think that's really reasonable for you know the first year that we're doing it. Frankly, I don't know if we're going to be able to repeat it every year based upon interest and needs and, you know, putting together a one-year long-term leadership program like this is a huge investment of time on our board and on, we even had an ad hoc committee that worked on this throughout 2021 to prepare it for 2022. So I love Cheryl Sandberg's quote here, you know, if you're offered a a seat on a rocket ship, don't ask which seat, just get on. So (laughs) that's my, you know, that's my final kind of closeout, um, particularly for all the people that constantly reach out to me and ask about the combination of pharmacy and law. I think this is a great way to do that, to dip your toes in. Yeah. If you're nerdy enough to listen to this podcast or follow the stuff that Aaron does, then you're probably nerdy enough to be like, you know what? I can hop into something like this and then make make do with it what you will. But I think it's really one of those cool ways that you can kind of pave your own road. This is a newer program, but it is something that I think really should work. And I think that as we're seeing more people who 
graduate or doing like the PGY1, PGY2s and not necessarily going to your CVS and your Walgreens all the time or just having questions about what they want to do with their profession, but they've kind of, you know, been out there for a few years. Now they've been out there and this is a way they can kind of say, you know what? I'm not 100% sold. This is what I want to do with my life. So let's go do something like this and then see where that golden road takes me. Or, you know, just to get exposed to leaders of an association. I think that's a huge opportunity. And by no means is ASPL the first pharmacy organization to start a leadership program. Of course, AACP, the academic pharmacists, they have one. ASHP has one in kind of the business and managerial and operational aspects of pharmacy and hospital and health system pharmacy. So this is not a first ever, but it is a first ever in the space specifically of pharmacy law. So if that's of interest to you, and that's, again, not for everyone, but for those who I think are listening to this podcast of yours, Eric, there's probably several people out there that might have an interest in this. And like I said, I don't know if it'll be every year moving forward or not, but I know it's happening in 2022 and I know I'm super pumped and excited about it. I've even thought of my own little project that I'm working on. So (laughs) particularly those that asking about the combination of pharmacy and law. Yeah. It's always good when you have someone like you who's this passionate about it, who can really kind of, you know, has their ideas in mind maybe can give it to somebody who's interested in the same topic, but was having a hard time think of it because they weren't as uh, in the weeds on it as you are with some of the stuff. So that's awesome. Where can people find all this information again? Was it ASPL.org? Yeah, it's ASPL.org. And if you click on the education tab, it's on the very bottom. It's D-A-S-P-L. Okay. So that gives everyone something to Google. The links will be in the show notes for anything that we have with this. So that way you can find it a little bit easier. So if this is something you're interested in, you can go ahead and click it there. Um, When is like the date you want to start having people signed up and enrolled by? We're really running through the calendar year. So the application is now up and it's working. I know uh, because I filled it out myself. So it's there. Uh, There's an FAQ document there as well. There's a video on the program. And then at the ASPL podcast, we also did an episode on the DASPL as well. So whichever venue or format you like to take in your content, we've got you covered. Yeah. So everybody who always blows up my DMs with stuff about my episodes, this is something that you can blow up too, but maybe blow up Aaron's and ASPL with this one. But I think this is a good way to... uh, get involved. So Aaron, thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing everything. I think this is an awesome one and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some people I know sign up for this program. Well, thanks again, Eric, for the opportunity and kudos to you for talking about the hard things and pharmacy law being one of those on your podcast. I commend you for that. Well, thanks. I I could, I'm nerdy and I could do that all day. So it's really just passion that I have for some odd reason, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate, you know, that someone like you does respect that. So listeners, if you can go check it out, share it with people who might be interested that, you know, or people who are just frustrated and think that stuff needs to change with the profession. Cause that's really what a lot of people are talking about these days. So as always, thanks for listening to the political pharmacist podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.